0: I'm Dan Pierce, and this is Pressure Cooker.
1: I said I will never wear the e-job or give up my many skirts. Never.
0: It's the outrageous story of two misfits living on the fringes, and how they became the central players in a sprawling terror investigation.
2: We just hung out and played video
0: games and smoked weed and did what we do, you know. Pressure Cooker is
3: available on the CBC Listen app or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. This is a CBC podcast. Hello, I'm Matt Galloway, and this is the current podcast.
0: Bad actors target our most vulnerable, our children. They spread vile hate and encourage impressionable people to commit violence. We know the harms we experience online can have real world impacts with tragic, sometimes fatal consequences. And yet, so much of this goes unchecked.
3: Unchecked, it seems, until now. That was Justice Minister Arif Yesterday afternoon, the Liberal government tabled the Online Harms Act. This sweeping bill would create a commission to enforce rules around content online and compel social media companies to take that content down if it sexualizes or bullies children. The act also seeks to amend the criminal code to increase sentences for spreading hate online. Supporters of this legislation say it's been a long time coming. It's been more than a decade since Amanda Todd took her own life after being targeted by an online predator. She was just 15 years old. Carol Todd is Amanda's mother. She is in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. Carol, good morning. Good morning, Matt. What do you make of this proposed bill?
1: Uh, It's a long time coming, as you said, and um, I'm very happy that it's finally arrived and that it was tabled successfully yesterday in the House of Commons.
3: Do you think, hindsight is so difficult, but do you think something like this would have protected your daughter?
1: Most definitely. I remember clearly when all this started happening to her and um, how how powerless that I felt as a parent not being able to contact social media platforms to get pictures removed, um, the the hate, the abusive language that was coming through the internet, um, towards Amanda for um, the images that were, they were victim blaming her, um, and and the ability for law enforcement to not be able to enact and and find her perpetrator right away. Mm. Those were all frustrating moments back then.
3: Why do you think it's taken so long? for this regulation to come around. I mean, what you and your family went through was more than a decade ago.
1: Well, maybe now there's there's a significant, like the advancement of technology and um, the how many children and youth actually have devices in their hands and are using um, the internet. To, I mean, there's good way. There's good things about the internet, you know, the education and learning. But there's also the the nefarious things that happen on the internet, and and that is the abusive language, the predatory behaviors of others, um, kids being able to have, you know, free reign and and going to places they shouldn't go, and um, the the predators. Also, finding our children and, and victimizing them—just I—I analogize it to our kids are are goldfish in a big pond, and and those predators know that, mm. and so that's really horrific to me. I, I can't bring Amanda back, and um, but I certainly want to be able to um, support and make sure nothing happens to other children. Right.
3: As you understand it, I mean, you've been thrust into this world and, and have been speaking about this in the last decade on a regular basis. How has that digital landscape, how has that pond, as you put it, changed since then?
1: Well, it's it's bigger. It's it's more invasive into our lives. Um, you know, with even with adults, like, we don't go anywhere without a device in our hand. And um, if, if we forget a device at home we'll go get it. But if we leave our wallet at home, it's okay. So it's become a habitual behavior. Some people will call it addiction. Um, And and with our kids, I mean, 74% of all youth in Canada have a device in their hand, right? And that device now is a full blown computer that we keep in our pocket or backpacks or or whatever. Um, Back when in, in the days of Amanda, um, the internet was just starting i mean she she had facebook and she i looked at her instagram recently and she didn't have many followers so there wasn't a whole lot of applications out there where she could get into although what she did um predators found her mm. but now with with kids it, it's it's out there everywhere it it's part of normal life and there needs there needed to be regulatory controls out there to support our kids because they are young, um, they're not fully brain developed. They can't solve big world size problems, and the internet is um, was was created as an like an adult place, and and now our kids are in it full time.
3: Are you confident that those social media platforms will comply with the orders to take down harmful content?
1: No, I'm not confident. Hmm. I've I've been doing lots of reading. I've been talking to people um, in the U.S., other organizations, and and I, I'm I'm scared. It, like I watched the Senate hearing in the United States a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And and they just blow it off, right? They they say yes, we realize that, but what has been done? This isn't a new topic. This has been um, circulating for for years. So what
3: do we do in the face of that? If they and we were just talking about this in the last half hour of the program, if they if those social media giants, the people who run those platforms, just in your words, blow off the concerns around what's online, what do we do about that?
1: Well, we have to keep going. We can't. We can't allow them to silence us as advocates, as parents, um as concerned people. We have to keep at them and and as as a citizen, it's really hard to make attachments and connect with those social media platforms because they don't listen to the common citizen. they ha- they listen to bigger organizations and and ultimately, Government, right? So that's why we have to continue to we have to pass legislation, and and so our governments can put pressure on them. Um, otherwise, they'll just keep doing what they do, and and uh, you know it's a monetary thing for them. So, um, uh, yeah, I have I have <laughs> my confidence is weak, but my hope is great. Mm.
3: Just before I let you go, I mean, given everything that you and your family have been through, does it help in some way to know that that more than a decade later, Amanda's voice on this issue is still resonating in some ways?
1: Most definitely, it it amazes me actually that um, a young girl from Port Coquitlam, and and it, it's a video that. That created this voice for yeah. her, <clears throat> and her voice is still going, right? So, um, I think it's gotten 50 million views around the world, and and Amanda's voice didn't just stay in British Columbia or Canada; it it spread. So, um, it brought us awareness, and it it starts a conversation. Like when young kids still find it on the internet, like what we put on the internet stays forever. Um, they start the conversation, they have it with their parents, or when parents find it, they, they bring it to the attention of, of their children. Um, and Amanda's story is one that needs to be shared um, for learning purposes because mm. it's a real-life story.
3: Carol, glad to talk to you. Thank you very much for this.
1: Thanks, Matt.
3: Carol Todd is an online safety advocate and educator. She was in Port Coquitlam, British Columbia. Ara Farani is Canada's Minister of Justice and Attorney General. He's in our Ottawa studio. Minister, good morning to you.
0: Good morning, Matt. Thank and you for
3: me. Thanks for being here and introducing this yesterday. You said uh, as a father of children, you are terrified. These are your words, terrified of the dangers that lurk on the Internet. What are you afraid of?
0: Well, I'm afraid of what just happened to Amanda Todd. I mean, I'm afraid of what we just heard about from her mother. I know it happened uh, about 10 years ago now. But, um, I mean, Matt, every parent is the same in Canada. We just want the best for our kids. Like, it's, it's that fundamental. And we try to empower them and teach them. And sometimes in the physical world, it's about how to cross a street. But we understand that there are also rules of the road. Right now, we're trying to empower them to make a transition from a flip phone to a smartphone. The most powerful computer in the world, as Mrs. Todd just said, is in people's back pocket. But you can teach your kids a lot. But unless there's basic standards of protection for our children online, there's only so far we can go. And that's what this legislation is about. It's about ensuring her death was not in vain. And we protect kids in this country so Mm. there are no future Amanda Todd's
3: you also noted that you're a Muslim
0: absolutely I did because like many minority communities I'm a racialized man I'm a a minority religion man and we know what's happened in this country in the last uh, seven years we've had 11 people die who are Muslim a set of six men at a mosque in Quebec City in 2017 and the Alvazil family taken down in a van attack and we know from the evidence in those cases how people were radicalized online and that hatred turned into fatal violence in real life. That is what we need to address to keep Canadians safe. The body, That is, the body that 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 is we'll my do, job as Justice Minister. Well,
3: and the body that will do that is this Digital Safety Commission. Can you explain... I mean, it has extraordinary power in enforcing the rules online. Who is going to be part of this commission?
0: So that commission will be created... Uh, will be created pursuant to the statute and it is going to have the needed powers to develop the expertise, but to have the resources and the wherewithal to address the non-compliance that Mrs. Todd was just referring to. Who would sit on it? The people that will sit on it will be people who have expertise, but the most important thing for Canadians to understand is that this is not the Minister of Justice or the Prime Minister making arbitrary determinations about what's appropriate or inappropriate online. It is the platforms. The platforms take decisions that can be reviewed by the Digital Safety Commission, and the ultimate decision of, a decision of the D- Digital Safety Commission can be reviewed in a court of law. There are many actors that are involved that are non-governmental in deciding this material. The actual Digital Safety Commissioner, Matt, will be voted on in the House of Commons and the Senate of Canada. So Canadians, through their elected representatives, have a say on who this person is because they need to have confidence in their
3: quality, in their objectivity, and
0: their impartiality. Well, and
3: it's important in part because the concerns that have been raised before this bill was even tabled from the Conservative leader, Pierre Polyev, and others, is that this act is an attack on freedom of speech. How are you going to go about ensuring and and reassuring Canadians that this isn't going to infringe, the work that you're doing isn't going to infringe on their freedom of expression online? So I'd encourage Canadians to
0: read the bill. I'd encourage all parliamentarians to read the bill. What they'll find in there is a definition of hatred that is not my definition. It's not something I've just fabricated. It is entrenched in Supreme Court jurisprudence. What we're talking about when we talk about hate, we're talking about expressions of detestation and vilification. What we are not talking about is an insult, offensive language, things that might be hurtful to a person or to a community. What's
3: the distinction between, you've used this phrase before, awful but lawful. How do you go about determining... What is awful, but still lawful?
0: Matt, that's ultimately for a court to determine. But what I'll say say to you is that people insult groups or people or races or religions all of the time. That's going to continue to be awful, but lawful. But when you call for the extermination of a people, you're hitting a hate standard that's already been entrenched by the courts. The other thing I think people should really understand is that at every decision-making point, freedom of expression is entrenched in the decision-maker's Uh, code of what they're supposed to be guided by. Whether that's a platform like Facebook, whether that's the Digital Safety Commissioner, whether that's the court, they always have to keep freedom of expression top of mind. But you
3: understand you need to step lightly on this.
0: Of course I do. And Matt, people have also said to me, Minister Verani, why did it take three and a half years to develop this bill? I'll tell you why. Because we treaded carefully. We looked domestically we consulted extensively we looked internationally Australia has moved on this France Germany sometimes they've moved too quickly too too fast too far and they've been actually curtailing their approach and altering it so that they're not overbroad in what is coming down freedom of expression is critical more most so for me as justice minister to defend it's a constitutionally protected right I will always vigilantly defend it What's important is people understanding that you what is protected at its core, at its highest, is political speech, which is critical to democracy. What isn't protected is violence and what is being what kids are being subjected to, like Amanda Todd,
3: is violence. You just heard Carol Todd say she's not confident that those tech giants will actually enforce any rules that you put out. We saw your government tried to get Meta to pay for news. Meta just took its ball and left and blocked Canadian news uh, on its platforms. How difficult is it going to be to actually enforce the law and get these tech giants to play? So I want
0: tech giants to be playing, but I want them to be playing responsibly. But why do you and- believe that they will? Well, I believe that they will because some have shown and demonstrated an interest in doing this. I think they have a vested interest in ensuring they have the confidence of Canadians, particularly Canadian parents. I think what they will see in this legislation is an extension of, uh, of a hand to say, we want you to work with us. We need to see a digital safety plan. You need to be indicating how you're going to re- reduce risk,
3: and you need to report on us back to us on how it's going. Well, why would you, why would you put any faith in, in, in them? I mean, part of this is you trusting that they're going to do this work. But why 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 are you willing to extend that faith to them? Matt, there's both a carrot and a stick.
0: The carrot is what I was just describing in terms of taking their trust and safety mechanisms and accentuating in them and elevating them and making them transparent. That's really critical. Right now, decisions are made about what it, you put out to the world and what appears in your feed as Matt Galloway. They're being made behind closed doors by a private company. You have no idea how the decision was made and what decision was made. We're going to render that transparent. But secondly, the stick is penalties. And the penalties are significant in this legislation. The administrative penalty can touch 6% of global revenue of an entity like Facebook or $10 million, whichever is higher. If an order issues and they contravene an order, it's 8% of global global revenue or $25 million. Mm. That goes at the heart of the financial imperative that is driving their behavior right now. That cannot be the only imperative. There's got to be a safety imperative that is equal Canadian safety is equal
3: to the financial imperative that is driving these companies right now. Just before I let you go, can I go back to something you just said when you talked about you want to render w- how what I see in my feed, you want to render that transparent? Does that mean that the government wants to open up the algorithm of these companies, that, that what you know, is presented on my Instagram, what's presented on Facebook, that that algorithm needs to be opened up?
0: What it means is that we want transparency on the part of the platforms in terms of the digital safety plan. It also means empowering you, the individual Matt Galloway. You can start to curate your feed. You can block and users' content from appearing in your feed. You can flag other content and say, this constitutes child pornography. This constitutes a, a, an instance where people are encouraging a child to harm themselves. That's about keeping Canadians safe and establishing those standards that we need. People talk to me all the time about how, why is it that we have standards for buildings? People design buildings all the time in different ways. They're quite beautiful and lovely, but there has a baseline level of safety. We need the same level of baseline safety in the design of
3: internet platforms that, where people are spending more and more of their time. That's critical, and that's what this legislation will do. R. we'll leave it there. Thank you very much. Thank you. R. ferrani is Canada's Minister of Justice and the Attorney General.
1: Hello, I'm Jess Milton. For 15
0: years, I produced The Vinyl Café with the late, great Stuart McLean. Every week, more than 2 million people tuned in to hear funny, fictional, feel-good stories about Dave and his family. We're excited to welcome you back to the warm and welcoming world of The Vinyl Café with our new podcast, Backstage at The Vinyl Café. Each week, we'll share two hilarious stories by Stuart, and for the first time ever, I'll tell you what it was like behind the scenes. Subscribe for free wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Michael Geist is a law professor at the University of Ottawa. He holds Canada Research Chair in Internet and e-commerce law, and he's been listening in. Michael, good morning to you. Oh, good morning. You're saying yesterday that in some ways you gave this bill a B plus.
2: What's good about it? Well, I I think in some ways the expectations were so low given some of the earlier government digital regulation, the streaming bill and the news bill, and where they started with this. I mean, the minister talked about many years of consultation. What he didn't mention is that back in 2021, they actually put forward what their plan was as part of a and consultation. And it was roundly criticized. It was widely criticized. And so that was the starting point. I think that they did listen. And I think that especially in terms of focusing on this notion of a duty to act responsibly on the part of the platforms, on focusing on specific kinds of harms and and harms that i think most would be on board with i think they get some of those issues right they didn't turn straight to things like takedowns and and website blocking instead they tried to focus on what does it mean for a platform to act responsibly what are the specific kinds of harms that are sources of concern Mm -hmm. and on that front i think they've done a pretty good job
3: will this legislation be enough to protect children we began this conversation in speaking about what happened to amanda todd a decade ago will this protect children like her
2: Well, I think we have to be realistic that there are a lot of harms out there. Some are online, some are offline. And the idea that a single piece of legislation is going to cure all the ills, and there are many that that arise in this area, uh, I think is unrealistic. Will it have an impact? Will the companies comply? The kind of question that you asked a few moments ago. I think they're much more likely to. I think some of the objections we saw with some of the prior legislation was, frankly, grounded in really problematic legislation. It wasn't necessarily opposition to regulation itself. And some of the kinds of provisions that we see here, they're pretty common. We see them in the UK. We see them in Europe. We see some of the, some of the approaches in Australia. Those provisions so being, not as being essentially is taking
3: down, quickly taking down uh, offensive material, sexualizing material, offent- uh, material that, that is bullying children, for example.
2: Yeah, there's only a, uh, not bullying children, there's only a couple of kinds of content that are required to be taken down immediately, actually. So the focus is not on takedown, it's on having a plan, it's on living up to that plan, being transparent about it, as you heard about giving people the ability to block users, to flag content. So there's a number of those kinds of things that that are in the legislation. It, it's not necessarily about blocking. There is some references to blocking, but for, for very narrow pieces of legislation.
3: You raise concerns about something that I asked the Minister about, that is this, this Digital Safety Commission, which does have extraordinary power. Um, what are your concerns when it comes to that commission?
2: Yeah, no, I do have real concerns there, and the idea that the Canadian public will it will somehow be in a position to get to vote on who the chair is, is cold comfort. When you take a look at what is almost a new CRTC, it's almost a new, new CRTC commission here, where it's got the power to issue rulings on making content inaccessible, investigations, demand information that it any information it wants, it can hold hearings and if it decides can close those to the public. It's required to establish a ton of regulations, codes of conduct, and all of those kinds of powers are don't have a whole lot of of oversight. So there isn't really anyone here watching the watchers. There isn't an extra layer in there uh, that, that you have, say, envisioned for, on the privacy side to ensure that that it strikes the balance right. It's an awful lot of power being handed over to what could be as few as three people in this commission. Who should be part of that commission, do you think? I mean,
3: not, not specific names, but how do you go about choosing the people that the the broad public would trust
2: with that power. Yeah, I think it's going to be. A, this is going to be an exceptionally big challenge, you know, and, and so I don't know the individuals. I think you need people who bring a range of perspectives, so I'm not sure that three to five commissioners frankly is the right number, because I think you need to ensure that you've got people who come from civil liberties and freedom of expression perspectives, so that they are willing to ensure that those perspectives, the privacy perspectives, the equality perspectives are all brought to bear as part of the analysis, as well as those who have been steeped in some of the, the harms that take place online, and we've got something that's being started from scratch. Uh, rather remarkably, the law even says that there, aren't, there are no specific uh, rules of evidence for this entity. And so when I think you move in that direction, the, the way you get confidence is to build in rules of evidence and, and ensuring that you've got a, a wide range of perspectives, as well as oversight on the kinds of decisions that get made. If you strip the politics out of this, how concerned are you about con- you know, the
3: issues that have been raised uh, around limiting free speech?
2: I, well, listen, those are always going to be significant issues and striking the balance is going to be difficult. What is that, I would what say is that, that balance? What
3: does that balance look like
2: given the aims of this act? Well, the balance on certain of the issues, and, and so you know, obviously you started with Amanda Todd, and around those issues, I don't think you've got the expression issues are nearly as pronounced as they are once you get into things like uh, hate online. Which you know, I listen. I'm, I'm part of the Jewish community. We faced some enormous challenges over the last number of months with anti-Semitism, and so there there is a need to address these issues directly. But at the same time, we've got to recognize that not everything is hate, and there sometimes is a tendency to, to a cast it in that framing, or at least a fear that that governments or other agencies might do so. And so, I think that there there is an effort because the way they've structured this, there is an effort to try to ensure that at least the platform perspective is more about acting responsibly. Where some people have been focused on in terms of over an overreach is in some of the criminal code and human rights act provisions that are also found in the law with incredibly severe penalties up to life in jail mm. in some circumstances and the prospect of just this massive influx of complaints before the human rights uh, commission as part of the human rights act. And that's where I think some of the rubber might hit the road in certain for some of these challenges.
3: Just before I let you go, I mean, technology moves so quickly we are now seeing, you think of the Sora, the, 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 um, on, artificial intelligence, voice-prompted videos that are being created, things that six months ago people would have laughed out and said that that's not actually possible. Is it, given how quickly technology moves, is it going to be possible to have an act that is going to to be able to meet the moment, if I can put it that way, that's going to keep up with how quickly technology is evolving?
2: You know, I'm tempted to say no, that in fact things are moving so quickly that it that these challenges are, are relentless. At the same time, we're seeing movement on a number of different fronts. There's these issues. There's, of course, AI-related issues. And there are relationships there. You know, I think when you asked about algorithmic transparency and you th- start thinking about deep fakes, I think this legislation could have done a better job, frankly, with a more clear definition on deep fakes. So I think that there are, we are seeing regulatory action or at least policy development on a number of different fronts. The, the starting point, though, and, and I'd go back to it in the way the legislation tries to frame this. It's about acting responsibly. Mm. And that can adapt to changing technologies over time.
3: A B plus isn't a bad mark, if, if that's what you're giving it. That's not a bad mark.
2: No, it's a really good mark. My students will tell you it's a pretty, really good mark uh, <laughs> for me, because that could be a hard marker. Michael, good to talk to you. Thank you very much. Okay, thanks so much for having
3: me. Michael Geist is a law professor at the University of Ottawa. He holds the Canada Research Chair in Internet and e-commerce
2: law.